Well, church, let me encourage you, if you would, to go ahead and join me in the Word of God. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament is where we are spending some time together as a church. And if you're new here this morning at Shades, we're so grateful that you're here, so thankful that you're joining us for this time together in the Word of God. We, we have been walking through the book of Ephesians now through, throughout a, a big portion of this year, and we're coming to the end of this great book. This is a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to one of the early churches, the church in Ephesus. And what we're going to begin to see in chapter 6 as we wrap up our study in Ephesians is how the, the Apostle Paul has guided us through the, the good news of the gospel. He has then led us into how the gospel impacts the way we live in, in this world and the way we interact with one another. And then specifically Specifically, as we've been looking at in recent weeks and today as well, the way the gospel impacts the way we interact in our own home, in our own families, in our own relationships, in the household. And then where we're going to go over the next few weeks is how the gospel then prepares us, if you will, for the spiritual battle that we encounter all around us every day, whether we're aware of it or not. We're going to begin to talk about spiritual warfare and what that, what that means in our life and in our faith. That's coming over the next couple of weeks. But today specifically, we're looking at what the, the gospel says to us in our, in our households in the relationship between parents and their children. And so I know we've got a, a bunch of parents in the room. I know we have a bunch of kids and a bunch of students in the room. And so I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to see very clearly what the Word of God says about this relationship. But also recognize that you may be here today and maybe, maybe you don't have any children. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're single. Maybe you have no interest in, in kids whatsoever. Maybe you, you remember that at once you were a kid, but you don't think of yourself that way now. And so you may go, what is there for me in this? Well, my hope and my prayer every time we turn to the Word of God is that we would see that the Word of God speaks specifically into our lives. And as the Holy Spirit of God moves among us at the proclamation of His Word, I believe there is something for all of us here today. So let's turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and let's see what the Word of God lays before us. I'd like to invite you, if you're willing and able, to stand back up with me. I know you were just seated a moment ago after our time of singing and worship, but we, we stand here at shade so that we all can be reminded the Word of God is our foundation. It's what we as the people of God here at this church stand Upon. This is what the people of God for generations have stood upon. What God says is right and good and true. We need to hear the word of the Lord. So we turn our attention to the Holy Scripture. This is what we see in Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And every parent says, Amen. Amen. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together before we're seated that God would use his word in our lives today. Let's pray. Father, we we come before you now believing that there is something collectively that you desire to do among your people when we are gathered in the name of Jesus. And so I pray, Lord God, right now in this room and among those who join us online for this service, that that you would have your way. And that we would see what you desire for us to see. That we would hear what you know we need to hear. Father, as we talk specifically about children and and parents and households, Lord, I I recognize that for many people, this this is a painful topic. I pray that you'd meet us in the midst of whatever we may be walking through, whatever we may be experiencing in life and in our families specifically. Lord, I pray in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak very clearly. We need to hear from you. So we commit this time to you. We thank you for this time in your word. And we ask that you would move among us in power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I just got to say, just so everyone knows right up front, it's pretty exciting for me as a dad to get to preach on children with my four kids sitting on the front row. So Glad you are listening. Glad you're here. Remember, this is the word of God, not just dad. So that's important. I do want to say right up front as well, I realize you may be here as a college student or as a young professional or as someone who is is not married or someone who's been through divorce or you may be here as one who comes from a broken home. You may be here as one that comes from a home with both parents in the picture. I realize there's a lot of different stories in the room. And it would be easy for you to say today, you know, well, I'm not a parent yet, or, or I don't want to be a parent, or I'm growing up, I'm not a kid anymore, so what does this message have to do with me, or, or why do I even need to hear it? But what I want to say to that is, yes, this is specifically about the family, and yes, this is very important for the family dynamic and family relationship, but we also must be reminded that this, this is written to the church, This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the early church. And so as he's writing to the church, yes, he's talking about family relationships and family dynamics and the relationship between parents and their children. But he's also talking about the church. And he's also reminding the church that church, you have a specific role and a specific calling as it relates to the next generation. Church, you you have a specific responsibility, if you will, to to pour into the next generation, to to love and care for the next generation, to, to share the gospel with the next generation. And so while this speaks specifically to family relationships, this speaks collectively to the church body and the church family and is reminding us of how important children are in the life of the church. We're going to see more about that here 
as we move ahead. I was reading in some of the commentaries this week and there was a specific portion that really struck me as it relates to how important this passage of scripture is for the church, not just for the family, but for the church. Let me share with you what this says through Tony Merida's commentary on Ephesians. He says, Paul seems to assume that children are in attendance as this letter is read along with others who may not be parents. This is instruction for everyone. If you are single, married with no kids, or married with moved out kids, the kids at your church on one level are your kids. The church is a family. And what this means is you should love them and pray for them and teach them and serve them. And as I I read that this week, I I began to just thank God for the the number of you who serve so faithfully in our our preschool ministry, in our kids ministry, in our student ministry, in our college ministry, even though your kids aren't even plugged in in those ministries, some of you. And I begin to think back on my own story and, and to think about the, the men in, that, that God brought into my life when I, was, when I was in elementary school and then when I was in middle school and high school, the, the Sunday school teachers and the, the small group leaders who, who poured into me. And here's what I've realized as I've gotten a little older. Many times what those teachers and small group leaders at church were saying to me were things that my parents had said to me a thousand times. But sometimes it's hard to hear it from your parents, right? And to have other men of God pouring into my life and just reinforcing what my parents were saying and and what I was hearing at home and then saying things that I needed to hear without hearing it from mom and dad, that's such a blessing. So I wanna thank those of you who are pouring into the next generation. We are so grateful for you. We need you. The next generation needs you. And some of you have been going, you know, I'm not sure how to plug in here at Shades. It's a, it's a big church. I'm not sure what I can do. I'll tell you what you can do. You can invest in the next generation. The next generation needs you. They need to see the love of God alive in your life and hear the word of God laid before them. So thank you for what you do. I'm also reminded though, as we begin to talk about the relationship between parents and their children, and as we can see that the word of God is showing us that this portion of this letter from the Apostle Paul was written to the church, assuming that children would be there, this is a very counter-cultural reality that is on display in the early church. For at the time of the early church in in ancient Rome, in in the Greco-Roman world, children did not have really much opportunity at all. Children could very easily be cast aside if they were unwanted. A, A Roman father, when a child was born into his household, he literally had the authority to either welcome that child in or cast that child out to be killed. It was his prerogative. So children in many times were completely defenseless, completely helpless, and and really not regarded as high value or important at all. And so this ethic that is being taught in the early church, that children are made in the image of God and children are important to God to be valued, to be cared for, to be protected, 
This is a a very different countercultural ethic that is on display in the early church. And it's a countercultural ethic on display through the church of Jesus Christ today as well. We need to be reminded of that. The church of Jesus Christ is to be the mouthpiece that proclaims children are precious in the sight of God. Every child, before they're born and after they're born, made in the image of God, precious in the sight of God, to be valued as an image bearer of God. This is the message of the church. This is the Christian message. It's not a political message. It's the Christian message that every child is made in the image of God. It's to be valued and cherished. Does nobody even hear what I'm saying right now? This is important. This is, I'm not asking you to clap, I'm just saying this is important. We as the church must understand that the ethic laid before us as it relates to marriage and the family and parents and children, it is a counter-cultural ethic and it's foundational to the Christian message. John Stott writes that this was a radical, radical change from the callous cruelty in the Roman Empire in which unwanted babies were abandoned and weaker deformed ones were killed and even healthy children were regarded by many as a nuisance. What we're looking at today in the Word of God, kids, you need to know this. Students, you need to know this. That when the Word of God speaks specifically to you, this is an incredible gift. It's an incredible privilege, and it's actually unusual as it relates to, to the world around us at large. That according to Scripture, children are a gift. They are valued. They are a treasure. Every child is made in the image of God. This is a blessing. Kids, you need to know this. God thinks highly of you. And as a church, we follow what Jesus taught his disciples. That the children are to be welcomed in. Matthew 19, 14 says it this way. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Do you see the love of God here? You see the love of Jesus Christ for you. This is a beautiful, beautiful gift. This is a Christian ethic. That many times runs countercultural to the world around us. We as the church are to be a people who love and cherish and pursue the next generation with the good news of the gospel and the beautiful gift of God's love for every child. With that in mind, we go back to Ephesians 6 and we see this instruction, if you will, that is directly for children. Ephesians 6.1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The, the Apostle Paul makes a very similar statement to the church in Colossae, another early church, one of the first churches, Colossians 3.20. The Apostle Paul writes this, Children, obey your parents in everything, listen to this, for this pleases the Lord. So kids, right up front, students, right up front, you need to know this. This is important. According to the word of God, the call to obey your parents is a call that invites you to actually obey God. 
It says this pleases God when you obey your parents. What does that mean? That means when you obey your parents, it's actually an act of worship. You bring pleasure to God when you obey what dad and mom say to you and and call you to do. When children obey their parents, it is the right thing according to the word of God. It is following in line with what God has laid out for you. So college student, high school student, you say you're a Christian, you you say you wanna live your life to, to follow God, to follow Jesus. Well, here's a very clear call. Obey your parents. This is right. This pleases the Lord. This is an invitation for you to worship God in your own household by obeying what dad and mom say. I love how the scripture just lays this out very, very clearly. We see there's two reasons in Ephesians 6 why children are called to obey their parents. And this is, remember, this is speaking to the context of the church. This is speaking to the context of of a Christian home. I realize that there are many different examples of a household where a dad or a mom might, might be asking children or forcing children to do something that is outside of God's will and outside of God's word and outside of God's will. I understand that. that. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about to the church, to the Christian household, children, you are called to obey your parents for it's right. It's the right thing to do. Do you know know just practically why it's the right thing to do to obey your parents, kids? They know more than you. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous. You're maybe sitting beside them right now and you're like, no, they don't know that much. They know more than you, a lot more than you. And they have your best interests in mind. They care for you. They want the best for you. I know there's, there's plenty of exceptions to that, but the reality for, for most of you in this room or most of you joining online right now, you, your parents, they, they really do know more than you. They really do want what's best for you. They really do care for you. It's the right thing to do to listen to what they say. And listening is the important part here. Because this, this word obey in the original language, it literally means to listen underneath. To be underneath the authority of dad and mom in the home, to be, to be underneath their leadership and to listen underneath their authority to what they say. So if you look at this from the other side, it means a refusal to listen. Arguing, talking back refusing to do what your parents have asked you to do, it's actually a decision to walk away from God's instruction for your life and and what God says is best for you. That's the second thing we see here in Ephesians 6 about why the word of God calls children to obey their parents. Not only is it right, but it's also an invitation to receive God's best for your life. Look at what it says in Ephesians 6, 2 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. 
This is an invitation to receive God's best for your life. And here the Apostle Paul is going all the way back to the Old Covenant, to, to the Ten Commandments. And he's highlighting one of, the, one of the big ten, one of the Ten Commandments that's specifically about children and their parents. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Paul says this is a commandment that comes with a promise. What is the promise? The promise is that if children obey their parents in the context of the family, that, that the general promise, the general blessing is, it will be a gift in your life. It, it, will, it will be an invitation to a pathway of God's best for your life. The best opportunity for a child to, to prosper and to live a fruitful and productive life is to build their life upon the instruction of God's word. And God's word says to children, obey your parents. This is right. This is foundational. This is an invitation to, to begin to live your life on a pathway towards the blessing of God and what God says is best for your life. So you are actually, children, putting yourself at risk if you disobey your parents. But if you obey your parents, if you honor your father and mother, you're putting yourself on this pathway towards God's best for your life. You're positioning yourself to experience God's blessing in your life. This is a call to obedience. But God's word is making it clear, and every parent needs to understand this as well. Every child, you need to hear this. God's word is making it clear. You do have a choice. You can choose to rebel. You can choose to act like Dad and mom have no idea what they're talking about, like they're a bunch of fools. You can choose to do your own thing. You can, you can choose to disobey. That's, that's a choice that you can make. And if you make that decision, you just need to know, you are intentionally making the decision to walk away from God's best for your life. That's the decision that, that you would be making. But if you choose to follow what God's word says and the design for the family and the, the role of parents in the life of a child, if you choose to listen and heed the instruction of God's word, children, please don't miss this, then you are inviting God's best into your life. You're stepping onto the pathway of God's best for your life. What choice will you make? This is the will of the Lord for your life. We now turn our attention, though, back to Ephesians 6, verse 4, where it begins to talk about the, the parental relationship with children. And specifically, the Apostle Paul addresses this to dads. And what we've seen so far in the book of Ephesians and what we see all throughout the Word of God is that the, the father, the husband in the household, he is called to be the spiritual leader. And so it makes sense here that the Apostle Paul is addressing this statement about parenting to the father because the father is to set the tone in the household. He is to be the spiritual authority and the spiritual leader. And so what does the word of God say here? It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Please, please hear this. In, in the book of Ephesians here, the Apostle Paul, he's not minimizing the role of a mother in the home. That's not what he's doing at all. 
In fact, the word of God makes it clear that both, both father and mother in the home have been given a, a beautiful role, an important role. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 and 23 actually highlights this. In fact, turn, if you will, to the Miller Bible real quick. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. We see the word of God talking to both the father and the mother and the importance of their role in the home. And again, this was very countercultural. That, the, that, the, that the, the wife or the mother would even be mentioned. This was, this was groundbreaking. And yet the word of God is showing that God's design is for, for the best of his people, for the best in the household. And each role is to be honored and valued in the sight of God. Proverbs 6.20 is actually a father writing to his son. And he says, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. So again, the call to all children is to listen. Listen to what dad's teaching, listen to what mom's teaching, and then bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. And when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. See, this is showing us both Husbands and wives, both fathers and mothers, have a very important role in, in teaching, in discipling, in showing children the ways of the Lord. Three specific things here. The children need commands. There are times when children need commands. Do this, don't do that. That's all you need to know. Do this, don't do that. Very direct, a command. There's also times, though, when children need teaching and teaching is explaining why this is important. It's unpacking the, the wisdom behind why we have told you to do what we've told you to do. Children need the opportunity to receive teaching and, and wisdom to know how to live and how to walk and what to do. And then there are those times when children need discipline. They need reproof. They need correction. We see that there in verse 23. Correction and discipline says, you have stepped away from God's best. You have stepped away from what is right, and I love you enough that I'm going to correct you, and I'm going to bring discipline in your life. God's word is reminding us that this is something that the father and the mother have both been called to do, to bring commands, to bring teaching, to bring discipline. This is God's design. But at the end of the day, according to God's design, the spiritual weight, if you will, the spiritual responsibility, the spiritual authority has been placed on the shoulders of the Father. And so the word of God says to the Father in the household, this is your calling. Set the tone spiritually for your household. There's all kind of research around this. In fact, you can, you can look this up later today. There's, there's studies that show if a, if a dad is the first individual to come to Christ in a household, that it's typically about 90% chance that everyone else in that household will come to faith in Jesus Christ. If a mom is the first to come to Christ in the household, it's about 15 to 20% chance that everyone else will come to faith in Christ in that household. The example of dad is so strong. 
The words of the Father are so strong, which is why the wounds of a father are so strong. And I realize as we talk through this here for a moment that some of you are hearing about God's design for the Father and you're going, man, I, I've totally blown it. I've missed it altogether. I know some of you are here today and you're hearing about God's design for the Father and you're going, I don't even know my dad. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about him. I, he's not in my life. He's nowhere to be found. So what in the world am I to do with this? I realize this, this, is, this is some very, very tumultuous ground we can step into here. And this can be challenging. It can be painful. But we need to be reminded here that God in his love and in his grace lays out his design very clearly so that we can see and understand what does it mean for us to experience God's best for our family, for our children, for our lives. God has a design that he has laid before us. It's been broken by sin. There's not a perfect household anywhere. Every family's been broken by sin. But God's design invites us to see that there can be a way forward. There can be a way to experience his best. There can be a way to receive the blessing of God through his grace and through his mercy. But before we even go there, let's just return to Ephesians 6, 4. And let's let's see again, what is this command to the father? The command to the father in the home is do not provoke your children to anger. What does that mean? Well, it can play out in a lot of different ways. In every household, it can look very, very different. And what this is is an invitation for a father to examine his heart, to examine his life, and to ask very specifically, where do I need the grace of God in my life because my sin is actually provoking my children to anger? It could be neglect, it could be hypocrisy, it could be materialism, it could be self-righteousness, it could be anger. What is it in your life that, that is provoking anger in your children? This is a call to examine ourselves, fathers, and to, to hold up the mirror and ask, where do I need the grace of God, so that I can then teach and, and disciple and, and discipline from the grace of God, not just on a whim or not just in a reactionary manner, but because of what I have received. Sinclair Ferguson writes this in his book on Ephesians. He writes, commandment is always given by God in the context of grace. Grace with a view to obedience. These are the ways in which the Lord gives blessing. Fathers should imitate the Father in this regard. Paul's words provide a valuable litmus test for a father. What specific sins in me might provoke my children to anger? Are you willing to ask that question? Because the reality is, every father falls short. And while this calling is so important and such a significant call for an earthly father to point to the heavenly father, every earthly father falls short. Are you willing, dads, to ask the question, where do I need the grace of God? 
Is there sin in me that is actually provoking my children to anger because it's not giving them an accurate picture of the perfect love of the perfect heavenly father? Where do I need the gospel? This is actually an invitation for all of us to ask that question. Where do I need the gospel? Maybe it is as a father where you're realizing, man, I've had some things where I've really dropped the ball and there's been some sin in my life that actually has has, has been a a significant barrier to my kids seeing the love of the perfect heavenly father. Maybe you're here today and you're going, "I, I don't have a relationship with my dad. And so there's this significant hole and it's been really hard for me to even talk about God the father because of what I've experienced with my earthly father or lack thereof. And and I'm not even sure how to reconcile that. And this is where the word of God says to us, my grace is sufficient for you. The gospel steps into our story. The finished work of Jesus steps into our heartbreak. The empty tomb steps into a life of brokenness and says, you can step out. You can come to Jesus. You can come out of hiding. You can come to this place where you experience new life in Christ. It may, it may be a long process of healing. But the gospel invites you to come to to this beautiful good news that says where there is something lacking, where there is pain and brokenness, where you have been hurt, where you have dropped the ball, the grace of God is sufficient for you. Will you trust God at his word? Fathers, will you trust God at his word? Mothers, will you trust God at his word? Children, will you trust God at his word? his word. The gospel speaks to every story represented here today. When we are weak, he is strong. When we are broken, he heals. When we are wrapped up and entangled in our sin, he forgives. When we are blind to our sin, he disciplines. When we feel unloved or unwanted, he says, look at the cross. My grace is sufficient for you. I want to wrap us up here today by going back to the beginning of Ephesians. This is where we were months ago in our study of this book. But I want to turn your attention, if I can, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses Four through seven is where we will end here today. Think about your family. Think about your story. Think about your father and your mother. Parents, think about your children. And listen to the word of God and the good news of the gospel. Ephesians 2, go back to verse 1. It says, you were dead in, your, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is every story. 
Every story has brokenness. Every story has pain. Every family has brokenness. Every family has pain. Every parent knows brokenness. Every parent knows pain. Every child knows brokenness. Every child knows pain. But God, verse four, but God, the word of God says, But God, being rich in mercy, some of you, this is what you need to hear as you think about your family. Your perfect father is rich in mercy. He has great love for you with which he loved us, verse four. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even in our brokenness, even when it's clear we don't deserve this kind of love, our God who is rich in mercy has loved us with this kind of love and made us alive together in Christ by grace. You have been saved. Some of you need to see that invitation today. In all this stuff that you've experienced in your family, And all the things you've been carrying, you need to see that there is an invitation to be made alive in Christ. By grace, you can be saved. My grace is sufficient for you, Jesus says. My power is made perfect in weakness, Jesus says. Will you trust God at his word? For the families that are walking by faith and full of joy and celebration, we thank God for the example, for the testimony, for the witness that you provide. But I also would say to you, the greatest example that you can provide is to say that everything good in your family is by the grace of God. It's a gift of his grace. For the families that are here today that are walking in pain and and brokenness, we pray for you that you would experience the grace of God because everything good that God wants you to have in your family, it is by his grace. You can receive this gift in Jesus Christ and you can set out on a new pathway to experience God's best. For this is what the gospel does. It meets us in our brokenness and our pain, and it takes us to new life by grace. Has the gospel done work in your home? Has the good news of the finished work of Jesus Christ become the foundation of your story? By grace, you can be saved, and your story can change. Let's thank God for what he's called us into, and let's ask God to lead us where he wants us to go as it relates to our homes, our households, and our family. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word that is so clear, speaking to children, speaking to parents, speaking to husbands and to wives, to fathers and to mothers, Lord. We, we thank you that, you're, that you care enough about us that, that you go straight to the heart of the matter. That you invite us to hold up the mirror and to examine what's going on in our story so that we can then look to you and see what you've done to intersect our story with your grace. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus who loves little children and invites little children to 
to come into the kingdom of God. Jesus who, who shows us a beautiful picture of provision and protection on those who are vulnerable. Jesus who meets those who are broken in the midst of their story and, and calls them out to something new, to something greater in the power of the gospel. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that regardless of what we might have walked through in our own families, and our own households, that we would look to Jesus that we would see that there is a perfect heavenly father who loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sin so that we might be forgiven of our sins, so that we might be made as a new creation, so that we might be covered in grace. And one of the best things about this is that we might be called a child of God. Lord, I praise you for your children who are here today seeking to grow in their faith, seeking to walk closely with you. And I pray, Lord God, that more would join them. That if anyone is among us today who has yet to receive this good news of the gospel and yet to trust their life to Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day where they would trust in the gift of salvation by grace through faith and experience new life through Jesus Christ as a child of God. Oh, we praise you. We praise you for your love. And we ask your hand of blessing and we ask your wisdom over every family and every household represented here today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.